0: You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Bove of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James.
1: Verse 5. So David went out wherever Saul sent him. Notice this. David is obedient. He's a good servant of God. He listens to what he's told, and he does it out of respect for authority. And then we read on. It says, and behaved wisely. He makes wise choices. This is part of his anointing because he has the wisdom of God that he's tapping into as God is shaping him and molding him for that future position to be king, but also for the current moment. Because his role was important in the moment. It's not just training. It's not just preparation. It's for here and now. And that goes for you too, friends. It's here and now that God gives you the wisdom and the anointing for your sphere of influence. But it's also for preparation to where he's taking you next. It's a package. So David goes out. And he behaves wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Verse 6, now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, this would be Goliath and, and the army, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines with joy and with musical instruments. I love this. As the men are coming back from war victorious, the women, the wives, and just the people in the village are coming out to greet them with great joy and celebration that they were victorious and that their, their men are coming back to them alive. That's always a benefit. And so this is a time of great, great rejoicing. Friends, how much more should we meet King Jesus in such a way as he is coming into the room to meet with us, and he is the victorious warrior coming back from battle? Think of it. Every time we worship the Lord, we can be jubilant in worship. We can rejoice and at times maybe even let out a shout (laughs) because we're so excited that King Jesus has had the victory overall and in our lives personally. And so we respond with worship. We greet King Jesus as the victor. Amen? And so the women sang as they danced and said, oh, listen to what they said, Saul has slain his thousands. And you can picture Saul coming in. Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah. And then they will go on to sing, and David his ten thousands. What? Oh. And so Saul, as you can imagine, does not respond well to this. Verse 80 it says, Then Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can can he have but the kingdom? Oops, light bulb goes off in Saul's head. What more can he have but the kingdom? The kingdom. And so he becomes very jealous. And, And this is natural in the flesh. This is human nature. I think that most people in the world in Saul's position would respond the same way. I think that most of us, maybe 90% of us, maybe 95, maybe 99, maybe all of us, I don't know. If we were in that position, our knee-jerk reaction would be the same. What are they singing about? What about, what about me? What about the great things I've done? I'm the king. Who's this kid? And hopefully, as believers, we would talk ourselves back from that and say, you know what? It's time to be humble right now. It's time to be surrendered to the Lord. It's time to love and say, you know what? Praise God. He he has killed his ten thousands. He deserves it that is a supernatural work in a depraved human, friends. And so we see that Saul is very much in the flesh. He becomes jealous. Perhaps he remembers Samuel's words echoing in his head, the kingdom will be taken from you and given to someone better than you. Those were Samuel's (laughs) words. And so now he's like, well, here he is. Here's the kid. He's, He's the guy that's better than me. And so he has this natural fleshly reaction of jealousy. In verse 9, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. Verse 10, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. Did you know that there's not just true prophecy from the Lord, but there's false prophecy There's a word that comes not from God, but from this distressing or evil spirit. It's a lie because Satan is a liar. There's no truth in him. And this is what he does. He's the master of lies. And so he comes along to lie as a false prophecy. Maybe these words. And he'll speak in first person for you. The throne is mine. Yeah, the throne is mine. David wants it. Yeah, that kid, he wants it. He's treasonous and malicious. Yeah, he wants to take my throne. That's his motive. He hates me. You see, these false prophecies coming into Saul's head. Now, we don't have that. It's not Scripture, friends. That's speculation. But these are the kind of things that Satan might say to me from time to time, right? And to you, he lies to us. He'll lie to him to us about himself. I'm harmless. He'll lie to us about God. God doesn't love you. He wouldn't let you go through this if he loved you. He lies to us about ourselves. I'm such an idiot. How can anyone love me? He lies to us about others. They don't care. They just want to hurt me. I know they invited me to the party, but they really don't care if I'm there or not. You know, I don't know. These are just negative thoughts that I can get. And so then we always come back to the Word. What does God say? God says, I'm part of his family. I'm one of his kids. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. He says, love believes all things. Hey, let's think the best of other people before thinking the worst until facts are confirmed. And then let's forgive if there was an issue there, you see. And so, the devil's lion to Saul, and Saul is buying it, hook, line, and sinker. And so in the middle of verse 10, David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. This is a bad combo right now. (laughs) Angry, jealous man with distressing spirit and a spear. All right, David, go play some music before Saul was able to receive it because he didn't know that David was this neighbor that was better than him and would take to have the kingdom one day. But now he knows, and he's got a spear. And it says here, and Saul cast a spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. <coughs> Verse 12, now Saul was afraid of David. Now, there's a root issue there. It's fear. He's afraid that David is going to take what is his. He's holding on too tightly. And this was what was so beautiful about Jesus, friends, because Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, was in heaven with a heavenly, kingly position. He left that position, not his godness, his divinity, but he left his position to come down to lowly earth. He didn't hang on to it like Saul's doing right now. And so he's afraid of anyone that might come in and take this power that he enjoys. So it says he was afraid of David, verse 12, because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And so Saul, because of his jealousy and now hatred his jealousy, his fear turning into hatred towards David. He says, I don't even want him in my presence, and so I'm going to make him a commander over a thousand men and send him off to war just to get him out of my face. This is persecution, friends. This is persecution for righteousness sake because David has done nothing wrong, and so we need to be careful as people come into our lives, and perhaps they're elevated into a position that we would like to have. Perhaps they displace us from a position that we want, whether it be in the family dance, you know, the new son-in-law comes in and is a threat to the son, or it's in the workplace, right? The new forklift driver comes in, but that was your role, and now you're displaced, and that could be a test, right, where you got to just let go and surrender to God, surrender to the Lord, or you can throw spears. And so I don't think we throw physical spears so much, although some people go off the deep end, don't they? But, you know, we can seek to harm someone, to undermine their success. We can start talking behind their backs or even to their face, throwing verbal spears at people, trying to hurt them not cooperating or helping them. When I got hired at a company called Spectronetics, I came to find out, you know, I I stepped in, it's my first day and um, I'm like, all right, great, I'm here. Who's gonna train me? Well, I don't know. Okay, shall I fire up my computer? Yeah, do that, you know? Anyway, come to find out that the person that was supposed to train me applied for the same position didn't get that role. And so now I had no trainer, and there is this, you know, animosity. But I tell you, the last job was so much worse, I still had huge joy. (laughs) I was like, oh, praise the Lord, I'll figure it out, you know. (laughs) And I just started asking around and asking people, and, and it worked out. But see, this kind of thing can happen to us where someone's trying to undermine you, or you might be tempted to do that. Someone might get the job that you applied for, and now you're expected to train them. And that's a tough role, but what would Christ do? You know. He would humble himself, and you train them, and you make them the absolute best that they can be. And I tell you what, God will reward you. You will be rewarded if you do that. And uh, you can think of how else you might apply that in other circumstances now um but saul here wants david removed from his presence sometimes people are just not going to want to see you right the bible says that you're a a saver you're a smell and to those who are being saved you smell good people want to be around you it's a beautiful aroma and they're attracted to you like jonathan and david but To people who are perishing, you stink. You're a bad odor, and they don't want you in their presence. So they won't invite you, they won't include you, and and they'll try to send you away. And that can be very, very hurtful. But you see, this this is what we can expect as Christians, from time to time, and I think more and more, in these dark days. Second Timothy 3.12, it says, yes, and all who desire to live godly. Do you desire to live godly? You can raise your hand right now if you desire to live godly. You wanna live a godly life. You don't wanna be in rebellion to God. Well, if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, it says you will suffer persecution people will come against you. It's going to happen. Luke six twenty-two. Jesus speaking, he says, "'Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day, and leap for joy.'" For indeed, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. You know, we're in a world right now, in a country that is very, very divided. And we're divided politically, but we're divided politically because of some particular moral issues. It's not so much about politics as it is about particular moral issues right? Our Supreme Court just overturned Roe versus Wade. It's been a a big deal, right? The people who understand and value the life of a baby in the womb are super excited about that. Wow, this baby in the womb is alive. It's a human being with a soul whom God loves and cherishes, and no longer in certain states will it be allowed for people to just terminate that life especially just because, gosh, it's it's life-altering for me to have a baby. It is really life-altering. It's nine months of pregnancy and stretching and my body being shaped differently, and then I have to go through this very traumatic, painful experience, and then I have a baby, and what do I do with it? If I keep it, what about my plans for life? And so, that's a difficult thing you know but hey if you don't want to pay then don't play right and that's the heart of the problem i want to play though i just don't want the consequences for it you see and of course there's all kinds of other particular circumstances and hypotheticals that can happen and for you know, a few, the the reality of it, right? Incest, rape, things like that. A decision between the baby's life and the mother's life. But all of these things should be viewed with the reality that we're dealing with two people, two living human beings. And we don't just terminate because We're gonna have to go through nine months and it's gonna be a sacrifice of a life sacrifice. And so that's the big issue, right? That we have now that people are getting heated over and one side is saying, well, this is taking away our freedoms, our bodily autonomy, my body, my choice. And there's a lot of passion around it. And so because of that, we see, you know, churches, right? Getting vandalized and so forth. And, but also, if you stand up for righteousness, friend, you will also feel the heat. I was on YouTube, and I, was, I found a video, and it was uh, Living Waters Ministry. And it's this, you know, some guys, they go around, they go to the pier, they go places, and they ask people questions uh, regarding morality, and then they share the gospel in the end. And I really liked it, it was awesome. The topic was abortion. I thought, wow, this is, a really, this is really good. And so I posted it on Facebook. And then I got a response, and it was a really hurtful response. One of my former students came back and, and said, thank you for sharing that, that's awesome. You've inspired me to give a little extra to Planned Parenthood this month in honor of you and your family and he showed the receipt of his donation to Planned Parenthood in honor of James Bove and his family. And I was like, ouch, on so many levels. That hurt. And it was intended to hurt. It was intended to hurt. And so I have a choice right in that moment. This is persecution, persecution for righteousness sake. And I have a choice there To go oh yeah well i'm gonna come back publicly with
0: (that'dfeed)
1: yeah i'm gonna hurt you you want to come at me publicly i'm gonna come at you publicly right but i had to step back and go okay lord what what am i gonna do here what how do you want me to respond what's the loving thing to do and at first i thought you know what you know, because I, I tried to reach out personally and guys, I encourage you to do this. Reach out personally instead of fighting publicly. If it's a, someone you know, you've had a relationship with, try to re, try to message them, private message them and, and at least attempt a personal conversation. It shows them love. And so that's what I did. I messaged him. I said, wow, I see you're really passionate about this topic. Um, can, we, can we have a phone conversation and talk about it? Not willing, didn't want to, would rather come back publicly. So then, and, and even said, you know, hurtful things uh, on top, on top of it, saying, you don't deserve my time or effort. And guys, I see all of my former students as family. I, you know, junior high kids, now that they've grown up, you know, they don't feel for you the way that you felt for them. But 30 hours in the classroom every day for a year, you love these kids. And so it hurts. And I wanted to hurt back. So I did. I just, I deleted the comments and I blocked. Uh, Okay, fine, done. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and gave me just uh, a word of knowledge that hurt people, hurt people. He's wanting to hurt you. He's been complicit to an abortion, and so he's got passion about this topic because he's trying to self-justify subconsciously. A lot of these people that are fired up, you got to ask why. Their passion is betraying their past. They're hurt, and they're trying, rather than calling a spade a spade, And I know that there's some of you sitting here right now, you've had an abortion or you've been complicit to one. But you're not here trying to justify it. You're saying, I sinned. I did what was wrong. And you've confessed it to God. And if you haven't, today's the day to do it. Call it what it is. Confess it. I sinned. It was wrong. It was murder. It was a sin against you, God. And one day I'm going to see that soul in heaven You just confess it to the Lord. And you know what he says? I forgive you. You're clean. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I love you and I accept you. No more guilt, friend. No more. But if you don't come to Jesus with confession and ask him for forgiveness, then the guilt remains. And what people tend to do Is self-justify. Not only was my decision right and good, but it's good for other people too, and how dare they take our freedoms away from us. And so I was able to respond privately with the gospel message and with this approach in mind, saying, man, you're guilty, but guess what? So am I, and we both need the blood of Jesus. We need the gospel of grace. And then I urged him they even use those words. I beg you, surrender your life to Jesus. Receive his free will offering. I don't remember all the words I used, but I'm just telling you the gist of it. Come to Jesus. Get saved. He came back with a critique of how I said it. Critical, and then, but he did soften and say, I, I wish the best for you and your family. And I said, thank you. (laughs) All the best to you and yours too. And then he unfriended me. Get out of my presence. Get out of my presence. All who are godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If we stand for righteousness, you can avoid persecution. Just don't say anything. Just smile. Oh, it's okay. You know, and go along with it. But if you're going to stand up for righteousness, and you're going to speak the truth in love, in love, you're going to be persecuted, but you're also going to see more fruit. You're going to see people respond to that truth. And so, friend, in these times, you're going to have family. You're going to have friends. You're going to have people you care about that are going to come against you for your position. But stand strong in Jesus. And don't let the enemy get in there to rob you of your love and to rob you of your joy.
0: You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get In Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Bovey. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.